Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everyone to episode 72 of True Blue Crime. My name's Sean and with me as always is my co-host Chloe. How are you? Good. I am ready to go and it's really cold here where we are. Some weather chat to start the episode that I'm really excited about it, but the rest of Victoria, Australia is not. So (laughs) if anyone else feels me when this comes out, um, let us know. (laughs) All right. Well, you can just watch me sip this warm cup of tea I've got here and hopefully that warms you up from afar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we got some Patreon shout-outs this week. Yes, we do. Thank you so much and welcome to Kim McKenzie, Pet Peb, Daniel Evans, Tamara Fortunate and Mark Offamolovia. Thanks for the support, everyone. Much appreciated. Before we get into today's case, we wanted to advise listeners that this episode contains graphic content and discussions of sexual assault. We'd encourage everyone to exercise self-care and look after themselves when listening to this episode. And I'm Toya. Um, We just wanted to quickly show you how everything works in Naked Foods. So I'll just do a quick run through for you. The hardest part is deciding what you actually want to get. And from there, it's easy. So you just grab one of the brown paper bags and the pens provided. Um, Today we're going to go with the organic dried mango because it's from Queensland and it's one of our most popular items. So the code number is just in the bottom left corner on all of our products. You can take a little or a lot. It's completely up to you. Still got our mango. And then we just take this up to the counter. So everything that you get in store here, you have to pay for in here just because we're separate to whole health outside. Once you've made your purchase, you can go grab a coffee or you can check out whole health or you can just snap away. Thanks guys. On the 14th of June 2018, the day after the murder of Melbourne comedian Eurydice Dixon, police comments in the media drew the ire of the public, with the drawn inference being that women needed to exercise greater care in potentially compromising situations, like walking home alone through a park at night. It wasn't the first time such comments had stirred the pot. Con Carapanagiotidis, a lawyer and social worker, tweeted the following after police comments to the media. 
I can only imagine the rage and fear women feel to see women die doing everyday mundane things like walking home, like they do too, only to then be told it's their fault and that they need to be more careful. Stop blaming women, make men the issue. A lot of people shared the same sentiment across the country. Our true crime friend Michelle Laurie expressing similar when she tweeted, When I was a 22-year-old comedian, I constantly walked home alone from gigs in the middle of the night because I couldn't afford a tram fare, let alone taxis. Should we allow murderous rapists and poverty to ensure we are locked inside for our entire lives? Another young woman who felt the same and shared Con's message on her own socials was 24-year-old Toya Cordingly from the Cairns region of Queensland. Cairns is often described as the gateway to Queensland's tropical north. Not only is it host to the Great Barrier Reef, it's full of nice cafes and popular markets with a number of pristine beaches and exceptional resorts nearby. It's a laid-back place with a vibe that inspires outdoor activity. And it's a big place, Queensland's fifth largest city in terms of population, and like much of North Queensland, is occasionally prone to tropical cyclone activity, generally over the summer months. 24-year-old Toya accordingly lived in Waree, a suburb of Broader Cairns. She was the eldest child to her mum, Vanessa Gardiner, and stepdad, Darren, or Snake as he was often called. She had two younger siblings, Jack and Lena. Toya's father, Troy, had a partner named Mary, and Toya would often stay with them too. She said she felt lucky to have two mums and two dads. Toya worked at Whole Life Pharmacy and Health Foods, serving people in the organic produce and whole food section of the store. That's what we heard her talking about in the introduction. She also volunteered at an animal refuge called Paws and Claws, which suited her perfectly as she had an undying love and affection for animals. It was said Toya could calm even the most aggressive dog within minutes, her placid and soothing demeanour having immediate effect on even the most stressed out of animals. Toya was a free spirit, caring, with a bright and easy manner and a heart of gold. Her sunny smile was framed by long blonde hair, which she occasionally dyed vivid colours like pink. She loved the outdoors and shared that passion with her boyfriend of some two years, Marco Heidenreich. On Sunday the 21st of October 2018, Toya worked a shift at the health food store on Bar Street, Earlville, and around midday went to Rusty's Market, a popular fresh fruit and veg market. At 12.40pm, Toya walked across Sheridan Street near the market, CCTV captured her wearing a light yellow coloured singlet top and carrying a colourful striped bag. She returned home briefly before heading around 30 minutes north of Cairns to a spot called Wongetty Beach. This is around halfway between Cairns and Port Douglas and is a lovely quiet spot where Toya planned to take her dog Indy. Indy was a big dog, a Great Dane, German Shepherd, Mastiff mix. So this was the perfect location for her to have a run amongst the beautiful dunes. It also had a special meaning to Toya as she had buried her cat Sally here too. Toya parked her light blue 2009 Mitsubishi Lancer with the plates TOY146 in the southern car park at Wongetti between 2 and 2.30pm. Then she set off for a walk with Indy to clear her head and enjoy the sunshine. Toya didn't return home that evening and by 9pm her partner Marco was beyond worried. He called Jack, Toya's brother, who in turn knocked on his parents' bedroom door in a fluster. He said Toya's missing, Marco had rang him and police had been down to the beach to try and find her, but it was too dark. 
They planned to return in the morning, but the morning was too far away for an understandably anxious set of parents. The family went to Wangedi and searched around the area with torches, but all they spotted was Toya's car in the camping ground car park. They reported her missing to the police at 10.50pm. As they continued searching, Toya's mum Vanessa soon saw something that gave her hope. She spotted Indy, Toya's dog, tied up in some nearby bushes. Indy was a pretty tame dog and hadn't barked when they'd been calling out for Toya. Vanessa expected to see Toya maybe curled up next to Indy, having fallen asleep or something, but Indy was alone and she was tied up so tight with such a short leash that she couldn't even sit down. The knot was done up so tight Vanessa couldn't undo it. She knew then that Toya hadn't tied Indy up. Someone else had. By sunrise, police and the SES were conducting sea and land searches alongside family and friends when some 800 metres north of her car, Toya's father, Troy, made a devastating discovery. He saw a small part of what he knew was Toya's foot protruding from a shallow grave on the beach, quite close to the water and in plain view. Time stopped for Vanessa as she stood in the car park and saw Jack run up shaking his head, saying she was gone. Troy followed, reportedly needing assistance to just stand up, overcome by the shock and grief of having discovered his daughter's body. The details of Toya's death, the injuries she sustained, haven't been made public for obvious reasons, but descriptions using the words vicious, mutilation and the use of a knife have been reported. Toya's family and friends were devastated at the sudden and horrific tragedy and having to face life without her. Vanessa was advised not to read the autopsy report, but she did, feeling it was her responsibility to know what happened to her daughter. After this, the questions came from both the Gardner and Cordingley families. Why would someone do this? When had it happened? How had it happened? And most importantly, who had done it? The local community were in shock too, and they had their own questions. How could something like this happen in broad daylight, and was it one of their own? Surely this attack was isolated, and there must have been a reason for it. Maybe the family themselves. They had tattoos, dreadlocks... This wouldn't happen to a regular straight-up-and-down family, would it? The gardeners and Cordingleys felt these judgments in the early days as they were struggling with Toya's loss. In reality, however many tattoos they had, they were just normal folk who'd tragically lost their child in awful, violent circumstances. Friends of Toya's posted moving messages online. One of her best friends, Megan, who had just asked Toya to be her maid of honour, wrote, I can't believe this. I refuse to believe this. I drove to find you. I thought we were going to find you being the environment lover you are. I was so sure of it. I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated and I've been walking around the house grieving and then thinking, it's not real. It's not my Toya. It's someone else. I wanted to be like you. I wanted to be the gypsy soul you were. I wanted to be flawless and not just the beauty you had on the outside, the beauty you had on the inside. You were different to everyone. You followed what you believed in. You had nobody hating you. You lived life to the fullest and you respected everyone else's decisions. You had such a big heart and a beautiful, loving family you adored. Another friend wrote, You were the most humble and most beautiful person I've known since grade one, inside and out. You were ever so kind and friendly and you always did you. I will never forget the sound of your laugh and that beautiful smile you always rocked. Complete strangers, too, posted messages expressing their anger and grief as news of the brutal crime shook far north Queensland. 
At the service held for Toya in Cairns, hundreds of people attended to say their farewells. Celebrant David Country read the following messages, the first from her partner Marco. I will always love you with all that I am. You will forever be in my mind and my heart, as you always were before. And next, from Toya's father, Troy, read, I know that you are with me now and will forever be with me until one day we are together again. My love for you is boundless and cannot be surpassed, my brightness, my Toya. In the time after this, over 700 people attended the Reclaim the Night Walk in Cairns and Toya's mum, Vanessa, spoke at a police press conference. Before we delve into the horror that our family has experienced over the past weeks, we would like to tell you a little bit about our family and Toya. 23 years ago, I was a lost soul and a single mum to a beautiful one-year-old girl, our Toya. I had nobody but Toya. She was my life and I was determined to give her the best life possible. Through my work, I met my future husband, Snake. He knew I had Toya and this wasn't an issue for him. Our relationship grew and he and Toya bonded quickly and we grew together as a family. I recall Snake staying up sometimes until two in the morning, watching Bananas in Pyjamas with Toya so I could sleep. I knew Snake was my soulmate when we married. I was dressed as a fairy and so was our flower girl, Toya. In the years to follow, we had our son, Jack, Toya's little brother. They absolutely adored each other, and he would get very upset when she left to visit her dad. Two years later, we had our youngest daughter, Lena. Toya was over the moon to have a sister. This was our family, and together they grew up in our home. The three kids would get up to all sorts of mischief, but it was always fun. Toya's love of animals became quickly realised when we got our first family pet dog, Tiger. Our three kids went to school in Bentley Park. Toya loved school and formed many lifelong friendships. We regularly had her friends over for swimming and sleepovers. Then came the day for Toya to leave home. It broke my heart. But Snake reassured me that she would visit often and that we still had two kids at home to keep us company. Whenever Toya would visit, we would always yell, Toya's home, Toya's home. It was exciting for us every time, and the reaction from our pets was priceless. We were extremely proud parents of the beautiful young woman that our Toya became. We always had lots of fun as a family. Snake and I were always kids at heart. Snake was so proud the day that she added him as her father on her Facebook profile. It was always an exciting event every time Toya came to visit. Our home would always be a home for her. Now I guess it's time to talk about the nightmare. This family is going through an extremely rough time. On Sunday night, Toya was reporting as a missing person by her boyfriend. When I found out, I started calling people to get information. Snake was away at work, so Jack and I picked up Toya's dad, Troy, and we headed to Wangeti Beach. 
We started our search in pure darkness with our little torches and continued to search as much as we could until light at 5.30am. Eventually I found Toya's dog Indy and we kept searching till my phone battery started to go flat and Jack walked me back to the car. The police and SES had just arrived when we got back. I explained how we found her dog and Jack went back with a uniformed officer to lead them to where Indy was found. Troy had discovered Toya not long after Jack had arrived there with the officer. Despite being exhausted, Jack started carrying Troy back to the car park before SES helped him back. Jack needed a short break on the beach. It was a truly heartbreaking moment. The disbelief of everything started and we spent the rest of our day with police at two stations in a state of shock. The next day we returned to the scene and spoke to police. The scale of what was happening was unbelievable. SES divers and police were everywhere. It was surreal and we could see the main crime scene where our toy was. At this point we had many family coming from surrounding area and Victoria as well as other parts of Australia in our home. The days that followed did not feel real to us. We visited police stations and there were detectives that would often visit us, keeping us updated. They would also contact us daily. Toya became the focus of a lot of media attention and so did our family. Media attempted to contact each of us multiple ways, but we didn't want to talk to anyone. They even came to our home while Snake and I were at the police station. We wanted the focus to remain on Toya, not us. Eventually came the time for us to think about what we had to do next. We slowly made funeral arrangements, but were unsure of actual date until the coroner released Toya. There were so many things to talk about, so many decisions to make and so much to discuss. Our sleeps were short and we didn't eat much since the day of finding out about what happened to our Toya. At times our emotions were numb, other times we were a mess. We felt lucky to have found her. We couldn't imagine how it would have felt to never find her like some families have when they lost their loved ones. Snake Jack and I made the decision to see Toya one last time so I could get some closure saying our final goodbyes. We went together and we were glad we did, even if it made me more confused and less wanting to accept this reality. The days rolled on and so did the sleepless nights. It's an emotional roller coaster of grief, hate, anger and nothingness. Feeling hollow, guilt, not knowing how to feel. Telephone calls with people were hard because I'd often end up in tears. 
I did not know what to say most of the time, or rather, there wasn't much to say. Day of the service was massive for us, seeing so many people who wanted to be there for Toya. Toya was a beautiful, loving soul who touched the hearts of everyone she met, including the animals she loved. To have her stolen from us in such a manner breaks our hearts in ways you can't even imagine. Christmas this year will be unbelievably hard without Toya and she will never open the presents I already have for her. Christmas was her favourite part of the year. It will be the first occasion of many we have yet to come without her for the rest of our lives. I will miss our special lunch dates at the Lafu Tea House and our mother-daughter days hanging out. We have watched our son carry his sister's coffin. Our daughter stand in front of everyone and say her farewell to her big sister. We as her loving parents haven't accepted this horror. But maybe in the coming days when her ashes are home with us, the world for us may start to become a better place. Who knows? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Police began their investigation into Toya's murder by conducting forensic testing on both her body, the details of which we don't have, and along Wongetti Beach. They hoped to find personal items of Toya's which were missing and found a number of unnamed items of interest. The deployment of specialist forensic dogs was next, alongside door knocking throughout the local community to request voluntary DNA samples for elimination purposes. Witnesses were also spoken with during this time. Douglas Shire Mayor Julia Liu made a statement requesting public assistance to help solve the brutal crime, and off the back of this, people came in droves to help search for clues along the beach. Because of the remoteness of the area and the open expanse where Toya was found, it was very possible that someone had seen something, even if they didn't know it yet. So the police came forward requesting for the public's assistance, in three key areas to begin with. There's three main areas that I'd like to appeal to the community for today. The first area is that we would like to speak to anybody who saw any suspicious activity or anything out of the ordinary in the Lake Placid or Caravonica area on Sunday afternoon, the 21st of October, 2018, between 4pm and 5.30pm. The second area is that we would like to speak to anybody who has any dash cam footage 
from any vehicle travelling north on the Captain Cook Highway between Wangedi Beach and Clifton Beach between 5.30pm, uh, sorry, between 4.30pm and 5.30pm. So that's anybody who has any dash cam footage travelling north on the Captain Cook Highway between Clifton Beach and Wangedi Beach between 4.30pm and 5.30pm on Sunday the 21st of October 2018. And the third area is that we are also keen to speak to any females who have been approached by any males, either acting inappropriately, aggressively, or making them feel uncomfortable in the last 12 months to two years, in any beach area or secluded area between the northern beaches of Cairns and Cardwell. Additionally, CCTV of 69 cars was released and police requested the drivers come forward and identify themselves. Police were also keen to speak with anyone who frequented Wangedi Beach, had footage of or regularly used the northern and southern car parks, which were 600 metres and 4 kilometres south of the Rex Lookout, respectively, as searches of the beach expanded, broadening further north towards Port Douglas and south towards Cairns, members of the public began coming forward with information – be it a driver on the CCTV, drivers in the area who had dashcam footage, tourists who'd taken photos, or locals who had knowledge of the area or had visited on that Sunday. Police also appealed to the public to contact them about any people they had observed with odd injuries, scratches, etc., movements that couldn't be accounted for, or clothing that was either damaged or missing on the Sunday between midday and 7pm. A number of reports came in with police eventually receiving over 800 Crime Stopper calls. CCTV of Toya was then released, which was from her crossing Sheridan Street leaving the market earlier in the day on Sunday the 21st. One specific report that came in was that of a young family who had interacted with another couple. This couple's sausage dog had tried to jump on the family's car, apparently, which was humorous and potentially stood out in the family's mind. Police specifically requested to speak with this family too. And while all of the public appeals were circulating, detectives were working in the background of the investigation. They worked from the family out, as they usually do, initially considering the nature of the attack, which police noted early on as most likely sexually motivated, it was theorised that this had been committed by someone Toya knew. But over time, that became less likely as those close to Toya were cleared and a more likely scenario became it being a random attacker, perhaps opportunistic, perhaps planned, perhaps a combination of both. One thing that struck investigators at first was Toya's dog Indy. She was described as a larger-than-average dog, which I'm sure everyone can picture being the mixture of breeds we mentioned earlier. These breeds were known to protect their owner should they appear in danger. So how come Indy hadn't reacted like this? And how come the killer had been calm enough to walk the dog away, tie it up, after or immediately before committing the heinous crime? It was a strange scenario, yet family later commented noting how passive the dog was. Indy wouldn't hurt a fly either, much like Toya. So perhaps the scenario was as simple as that. Another aspect of the crime that stood out was the area in which it had occurred and the manner in which Toya had been buried. It was a very shallow grave in the sand, down by the water. The chances of being seen at this location were high, even with it being so remote and people few and far between. The time it would have taken the offender to commit the crime and dig the grave, shallow as it was, 
made it more likely again someone would have seen something. As time went on, the suggestion that this had been done by someone Toya knew dissipated and people were now convinced this was random. But was the person who did it a local? Had they planned to do this or took the opportunity while lurking in the shadows on the foreshore? People are capable of horrible things and Wongeti Beach, pristine as it might be, had its own dark story. Tales of creeps along this and neighbouring stretches of beach were not uncommon. A number of crimes, ranging from males exposing themselves through to violent and sexual crimes, had occurred in the area. Police wanted to speak with anyone who'd had an incident like this too. Any situation where a female might have been made to feel uncomfortable by a male behaving unusually or simply paying them too much unwanted attention. In the time after Toya's murder, another disturbing attack occurred in the Wongeti Beach area. And this happened to a woman who had stopped by the roadside to take some photos of the scenery. A man approached her and asked for a lift to his car, which was parked nearby. She obliged, but upon dropping the man off, he tried to kiss her. When she spurned his advances, he dragged her across the sand by her hair and attempted to rape her. The woman managed to escape, however, and promptly contacted authorities. The case was investigated, the man faced charges, but ultimately it wasn't connected to Toya's case. Going back to October of 2015, and a man was found floating in the shallows at Wongeti Beach, severely dehydrated and sunburnt beyond belief. His name was Gary Amy, and he'd been missing for two weeks after not returning from a walk. Amazingly, the 60-year-old survived and was nursed back to health. But the backstory here is where things get twisted, and not in the way which you might think. Turned out, Gary Amy was on bail for child sex abuse charges. He was a computer technician who had stolen images from his clients' devices and uploaded them online, photoshopping the kids' heads onto naked adults' bodies. He'd also staked out families from bushes along the foreshore and took snaps of naked kids playing with their families. On his computer, police found over 3,500 images of girls aged between 10 and 15. 785 of them were labelled as unique, which I inferred to mean he'd either taken them himself or obtained them from somewhere other than online. So there was plenty of creepy activity going on in the area. There was also plenty of violence. In February of 2016, a 26-year-old man named Maitland Chitty staggered into Hartley's Crocodile Adventures, having escaped from a brutal torture near Wongeti Beach. Maitland had been part of a drug deal gone wrong. He was meant to trade a bag of meth for some guns, but the deal went south and he was kidnapped and tortured as a result. His injuries included being stabbed twice, bashed with an axe handle and a lump of timber, and he'd been choked, kneed and punched repeatedly. So in an otherwise peaceful area, there'd certainly been some disturbing occurrences. Then again, these things can happen anywhere, anytime. There's no accounting for people's propensity to commit predatory and violent acts. And when it came to Toya's case, the police investigation was progressing slowly as reports from the public came in and they began to narrow down a list of suspects from previously innumerable persons of interest. Two men who hit the police radar after reports from the public came in were seen heading away from Wongeti Beach on the Sunday afternoon of Toya's murder. These two men were on the side of the road trying to change a flat tyre on their car, but they'd lost their jack. Witnesses reported them freaking out about this and that the pair looked scruffy and were acting erratic. 
once they got their tyre changed, they promptly took off towards Cairns. While the pair seemed suspicious and certainly warranted further investigation, in the end, they were cleared of having any involvement in Toya's case. The list of suspects was getting shorter. Police kept Toya's family updated as they eliminated people from inquiries until around six months after Toya's murder, they advised that they had narrowed down their persons of interest to just one, a local guy who had reportedly flown to India within a day after Toya's murder, leaving behind his wife and children in the process. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Reports of a man matching this description had been circulated by the media as early as December 2018, which the police were quite critical of at that time. They responded saying that they had a number of persons of interest and to issue this information was incorrect and unauthorised. The speculation around this person was not helpful and could jeopardise inquiries. In time, as more reports were published, the man was named as Rajvinder Singh, an aged care nurse at the Innisfail Hospital who had a wife and three young kids. One was still a baby. But Rajvinder was no longer around for the police to speak with. He'd actually been reported missing by his family some three days prior to Toya's murder before returning home the night of her murder and booking a hasty flight to Amritsar in Punjab, India, which is where he hailed from originally. Rajvinder had come to police attention when they had triangulated Toya's phone signal, narrowing down her location for a short window of time. They then came up with a list of vehicles using CCTV and dashcam footage, and within that footage, they identified Rajvinder driving his vehicle. Police also suggested there was potentially forensic evidence linking him to the murder scene. Prior to booking his hurried flight and fleeing the country the day after Toya's murder, Witnesses also reported seeing him with multiple scratches and bite marks in the time before he left his sister's house in Sydney, having stayed there overnight before boarding his flight the next day. His bank accounts and credit cards have not been used since. No one who knew Rajvinder could believe that he was involved in this crime. He and his family were known by neighbours and locals around Innisfail as kind, good-hearted people. His family couldn't believe it. They were tracked down by media and questioned. None had been in touch with him since he left the country, but they didn't think he was capable of murder and were sure that he was innocent. Family did shed some light on Rajvinder's recent state of mind, however, noting that he'd recently resigned from his job and seemed depressed and withdrawn. He'd also been taking off for long periods in the two months prior to his departure, was behaving strangely, and during this time they said it wasn't uncommon for him to frequent isolated beaches like Wangedi. But he was reportedly in India now, which complicated the police investigation. 
A number of media outlets, including 60 Minutes in a recent story, tracked down family members of Rajvinders in the Amritsar area of Punjab. This is in the northwest of India, on the border with Pakistan's capital Lahore, just 10 to 20 kilometres away. His family there claimed to not have seen him in years since he came over for a wedding. They didn't appear happy with the media attention, nor was Troy, Toya's dad, who said the media visit was unhelpful. Rajvinder Singh remains a free and innocent man, but there is no doubt he has some questions to answer in Toya's case back here in Australia. But the process of trying to get him back, however, has been slow, with the family growing frustrated with the lack of progress in Queensland police requesting some sort of international assistance, whether that's via extradition or Interpol. With the passage of time, feelings of unimportance have crept into the minds of the Gardiner and Cordingley families. Toya's uncle, Ray Broomall, who's a criminal barrister, suggested that if nothing was done, they may take matters into their own hands. He noted the existence of a warrant of complaint which could potentially be issued, presumably meaning a citizen-style arrest and extradition could take place. Meanwhile, two and a half years on from Toya's death, her family are still grappling with the reality of losing their daughter and sister. Vanessa has Toya's perfume, which she sprays occasionally to remind herself of the smell of her girl. And at the two-year anniversary memorial of Toya's death, her dad Troy said, Two years. It seems like yesterday. It seems like 100 years. I had a million things to say, but now I don't seem to be able to. I miss you more than life itself. I would trade places with you in an instant. I am now half the person I used to be. You are my world. You are all the love, joy and happiness I have ever known. You taught me to be a better person. Without you, everything seems pointless. On a positive note, just a couple of weeks ago now, the Federal Attorney General's office confirmed that they have signed an extradition request with respect to Rajvinder Singh and will submit this to Indian authorities. Hopefully that has gone through now and we can see a result in this case in the coming weeks and months. For now, our thoughts are with Toya's family and friends, and if anyone has any information about this case, no matter how big or small it might seem, please contact Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. My thoughts on this, I really hope the extradition request works and that Rajvinder has to come to Australia to face authorities. I feel like these things can get stopped at the last minute, um, and I just hope that that doesn't happen in this case. I do wonder if that process has become even more complicated because of COVID and international travel and things. And as always with unsolved cases, I can't imagine what the family must be going through. I hope they get closure sooner rather than later. And I'm just so, so sorry that this happened to Toya. She was living a good life. She was so young and she should have had a chance to live more of it. And I also hate cases when they involve dogs. You know, nothing happened to this beautiful dog, but the thought of her being tied up and potentially what she saw, dogs are just so loyal and the way people described her as gentle, just what a good girl. It just made me really sad. Yes, I wondered whether we should put an animal warning at the start, Chloe, but uh, as the doggy doesn't get hurt, um, we we didn't do that. But, um, oh, it's just a tragic case and uh, much the same as you. I just hope they, they get him back here to answer some questions. Um, on to some happy thoughts now. And uh, look, I'm going to go and play golf after we hit stop on this recording. Nice. It's, uh, it's US Masters week, so I'm going to go and hit some bombs. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, raining all weekend apparently, so I've got my youngest 
for one of the days. So it would just be me and her, and she's insistent on me repeatedly reading this book called That Alpaca Ate My Cracker. So <laughs> I think uh, for my mental health, uh, nine holes will be in order this afternoon. <laughs> just constantly repeating that book in your head now that you know <laughs> off by heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, my I'm changing my happy thought. Mine was going to be that I'm seeing more comedy this weekend, but I feel like our overseas listeners might start to hate us because we're doing things. So I'm actually changing it to TV. And my TV recommendation or uh, happy thought is that I'm starting to rewatch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I watched it when we were in high school and I was obsessed. I had diaries um, from when I was probably too old to have a diary about something like this, 16, 15 or so just retelling episodes of the show. I was so deep in it. Um, I'm, you know, an emo music listener. There was lots of unrequited love in this show. I was all about it. And I'm rewatching it with my husband and he's really liking it. And I'm just, it's, I'm looking forward to nighttime when we get to watch some Buffy at the moment. So that, that, I think that's my happy thought. <laughs> uh, very good. That sounds good. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at truebluecrime at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, which is called True Blue Crime Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram by searching True Blue Crime. If you'd like to support the show, you can head over to our Patreon page. The link's in the show notes. Over there, you can support the current free content we make on the main feed, get ad-free and early release regular episodes, and a swag of bonus content too, if you like. We've just updated some of the tiers over there too, so people who maybe just want to flick us now, a dollar fifty a month for support can do so. Others can just get the ad-free early release main episodes for a couple of bucks more. And then there's the bonus content tier, which all of our current supporters are on. Yeah, so hopefully that flexibility might encourage a few more people to offer some small support that goes a long way to helping us make the show. Absolutely. Thanks again for listening, folks, and we'll catch you all again next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.